and I shared with you about the experience that Leah and I had in Belize when we went on our honeymoon. Remember, I told you one of the things that we learned as, as a family is that if you're not working together in your home and in your marriage, that you are working to fail. You have to work together. Uh, and that's really the heart of what Ephesians 5.33 is talking about, which talks about working together through love and respect. It's that love and respect cycle because the average man craves the respect of his wife and his family and the average woman craves most the, the love and affection of her, of her husband and her family. And so if you're not working together, you're working to fail. And couples that are not working the same plan of marriage, they're not working the same plan of, um, uh, of raising their kids, they are headed for disaster. You have to work together. But just so you know, um, the rest of our adventure uh, on that cruise on our honeymoon was wonderful, okay? We had a great honeymoon overall. That was a little bump in the road, but we had a great time. We went to some other places. We went to Honduras, which is one of my favorite places, uh, La Playa Cabiana. That means Cabiana Beach. It was one, probably the most beautiful beach I had ever seen and been to in my life, and you know that I love beaches and and in fact Leah uh, you know during one of those times she was laying out in the sand and she was relaxing and probably reading something and I went out into the water by myself and snorkeled and I mean it was we I mean I got to get my snorkeling in okay uh, and so we had a great time we went to Key West Florida and we got to uh, visit some historic sites as we were wandering through the town there and, and of course you know that History is my passion, and so uh, so I loved that. We went to the, uh, the to the south, southernmost point of the United States of America, there in Key West, Florida. It was it was really a great trip. And then so after our trip, we we we, we come home, and here we are in our first night of, of this new house. Just got home from really what was truly a great honeymoon. We were we were in love, and man, we were ready to take on life. Together. I mean, we were ready to take on the world, and in, in the back of my mind, I had the theme song from Growing Pains playing in the back of my mind. Yeah. Never quit dreaming. And so, so she, she gets up, and uh, she goes to our master bathroom, and uh, somewhere uh, along the way, I heard a thud, and I heard water splashing, and I heard, I heard her give out this startled kind of 
yell, and, and, and so she was certainly surprised something had happened. You see, Leah and I, we got, when we got married, both yell, and, and, and so she was certainly surprised something had happened. You see, Leah and I, we got, when we got married, both of us had lived apart. You know, we had, we, she had lived with uh, friends in college and things like that. She came from a different home than I came from. Uh, I had lived on my own some. I came from a different home that she had come from. She had one way of doing things. I had another way of doing things, you know. She loaded the dishwasher one way. I loaded it a different way. She liked to put her toilet paper roll coming out one way, and I flipped it around a different way. And apparently, uh, uh, apparently, one of the things that, that, that she did is she liked to leave uh, the, the lid to the toilet down. She liked to leave it down. <laughs> and I did not. I did not. And so we had different ways of doing things. And so you probably guess what happened. She fell into the potty. Okay? And so that scream was a scream of, uh, of surprise and of disgust and of, of all kinds of things. You remember, we, uh, we, we lived different lives, you know. And apparently the home where she grew up, if you got up in the middle of the night to go potty, you always flushed the potty. But that first night in our new house, I did not. Translation, honeymoon officially over. Okay? And yes, again, once again, all my fault. Okay? It was a, it was, it was, it was a rough morning that morning. She actually was a really good sport about it, but... But man, here we are. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like you seems like you can't win for losing. And and uh, as we get as we get uh, as we get into this second message of family matters, we are continuing to look at matters of the family because matters of the family matter to God, and they're specifically mentioned right here in Ephesians five. And so they're not just mentioned, but they are emphasized here in Ephesians 5. And so we're going to dive back here into Ephesians 5. We're going to start in verse 25 and read to the end of the chapter. And this is the day where ladies, uh, you know, just hold your elbows. I told the guys last week, you know, don't be nudging your wives. Don't be nudging the people next to you because because next week they're going to nudge you, okay? So, uh, so we're going to look at some things. We're going to look at some things theologically that we see here that are plain in this in this chapter and then we're going to uh, we're going to take a look also at some practical things that if we as men and as husbands will begin to understand on average uh, the average husband will begin to understand about about uh, about most ladies and most wives uh, then I believe God will uh, uh, will take your relationship to a different level let's look here at Ephesians 5. Start verse 25 and read to the end of the chapter. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And in the same way, husbands are to love their wives as 
their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum it up, each of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Father, we thank you for this passage in your word, God, and for the, Father, just for uh, uh, what is here, and Father, for, for how it is to shape us as we seek to love and respect one another in a way that brings you glory, God. We pray that you would just speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, so as we're right here in Ephesians 5, particularly looking at verses 25 through 33, what we're talking about here this morning is a matter of love. It's a matter of love. It says right here, it says, Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Verse, in, in these nine verses, nine verses, Paul says three different times for husbands to love their wives. And then he illustrates it three different ways. And we see here, he says, he says, uh, love your wife like Christ loved the church. He says, love your wife as your own bodies. He says, he who loves his wife loves himself. And if you notice, in starting in verse 22, where he begins telling the, the uh, wives to submit to their husbands, which, again, you go back and listen to what we talked about last week and what that does not mean, but what it does mean, for the wives to let their husbands leave, he only says that one time. And then all the way down in verse 33, uh, he only says one time, wives, respect your husbands. He only says one time, uh, wives, submit to your husbands. But he has to say over and over and over and over again, men, husbands, you are to love your wives. And he uses, Paul uses the same pattern to explain this concept to the men and to the husbands, the same pattern that he uses as he writes the entire book of Ephesians. It's a pattern of saying, this is what you're supposed to do, and now this is what that looks like. And so, uh, so he tells them over and over, love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. And so... He begins to tell them what that looks like. So what, is that, what, what does that look like? Well, it, it, it's reflective of Ephesians 5.1, the very first verse that says, be imitators of God. If you're going to imitate God, then, then you're going to imitate God uh, in, in every aspect of your life in the most basic and foundational uh, place for you to imitate God is in your family and if you are married, it, it becomes within the context of your marriage relationship. And so what we have to understand is that, that, that husbands, if you're a husband, that you most effectively imitate God when you love your wives, and I would say your children as well, with the love of Christ. You are going to be most effective as a husband when, in imitating God and imitating Christ as you love your family and as you love your wives. Um, 
the first thing that we see here is Paul begins to describe this kind of love, this matter of love, as we see that, that Christ's love is sacrificial. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then Paul begins describing this love that is a sacrificial love. It is a love that is, it's a love that's not self-serving. It, it, it's a love that, uh, that, that worries about and, and is concerned about the needs and uh, uh, the, uh, the thoughts and the needs of another person. And you put that person's needs and that person's well-being above your own. It's, it, it's the kind of love displayed by a guy named Don Lansaw in 2011. Uh, in Joplin, Missouri, when an F5 tornado bore down on his home and, and uh, Don's wife was in the bathtub and she had her head covered with her pillow and, and he covered the rest of her with his body and, and as, the, as the, the house was breaking apart all around them and they endured that tornado, you see his wife, she was unharmed, but, but that wasn't the case for Don. He, with the debris flying around, he sustained a, a fatal wound. Well, how did he do that? Why did he do that? Why did that happen? Because he was protecting his wife. He was loving her unselfishly. He was loving her sacrificially. He was more concerned about her well-being than he was concerned about his well-being. You know, Jesus... Jesus is the one that teaches us to live sacrificially. You think about it, Jesus didn't have to leave the throne of heaven, but he did. He, he, he didn't have to come and endure you know, the, the life of a, of, of a humble carpenter growing up uh, the way that he did, but he did it anyway. He didn't have to endure the scoffing and the, and the ridicule he received by, uh, by the, the Jewish leaders of his day. But he did. He didn't have to endure a, a, an arrest and a, in, in a trial that was illegal at that time. But he did. He didn't have to endure the torture that he suffered as he was, uh, as he was beaten within an inch of his life with a, a torture device known as the cat of nine tails. He didn't have to endure that. He didn't have to allow himself to be nailed on the cross. He didn't even have to die. The Bible says that Jesus gave his life, that, that, Jesus, that Jesus gave his life over. He did all of this because he loves you. He loves me. He, he did this because of his great love. Maybe you remember, some of you remember the old song, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. Remember what Jesus prays in the garden just before he's arrested and, and the, the things begin that lead up to his crucifixion he has this time with god and he says father if there's any other way then let it be that that happens but more than that i want your will instead of my will and so we understand that that, that jesus the human part of jesus knew what was coming he knew it was going to be hard but yet he went to the cross and he endured it all because of his great love for us, because of his, his love for God and his love for sinners. You see, Jesus' love for God and love for sinners outweighed what it cost him 
physically. It outweighed what it cost him physically. It's not that it was easy for him. It's that it was worth it for him. And so husbands, as Paul says, to love your wives as Christ loved the church, listen, that's a tall order. That's a, that, that's a tall order for us. That's a big deal. Because Jesus loved the church sacrificially. Uh, president of the SBC right now, J.D. Greer, I put something up by him last week. I want you to see what he says about, about loving men loving their wives. He says, laying down my life doesn't simply mean being willing to die for my wife. It means daily putting her needs above mine and using my power to serve her. It means that in decisions, I give her needs and preferences more weight than my own. Remember last week when, I, when we talked about women letting men lead them in that way? We talked about how it's, it's important for you to let, your, if, especially if he's following God, he's trying to serve God, we let him lead. And, and some people say, well, well, that's just not fair because what you're saying is that he gets the final say of something. But men, what that also means is that if you're loving your wife the way that you should, then when those issues come up, then you, you're going to make a decision that, uh, that maybe that, that, that goes against, you break that tie and, and you go against whatever something that she has expressed to you, you better know that it's God leading you to do that, okay? Because part of loving your wife is putting her preferences above your own. J.D. Greer uh, describes it a little, a little more. He says, if, if I am serving my wife, like Christ served the church, then in 90% of the instances where we disagree, I'm going to end up doing what she wants because most decisions are not spiritual leadership decisions, they're preferences. And mine should always be second to hers. And so to love your wife like God has intended, like you're commanded to do, it takes time. Listen, it takes effort. It takes understanding. and It, it means that... that, that some of you, we have to learn to speak a different language. You have to begin to try to understand the emotional and motivational and communication differences that are between you and your wife. And listen, there are days where that's going to be hard. But boy, it's going to be worth it. And the love of Christ is sacrificial, but it's also this matter of love is intentional. Because Christ's love was intentional. Look what it says. He, he, Christ loved the church. Uh, he sacrificed for the church, verse, 27, verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor. And so he, here's the deal. We have to understand the love of Christ, the love that Christ has for the church, it was not accidental and it was not reckless. It was on purpose, number one. It was planned and decreed by God long ago. And it was selfless on his part because everything that he did, he did for a reason. What was that reason? Verse 26. To make her holy. To make the church holy. Jesus sacrificed for the church to make it holy. The love of, of, of Jesus made the bride of Christ better than she was. We are better today because of what Jesus has done for us. Husbands, let me ask you something. Do you love your wife in a way that makes her better in the eyes of God? 
Do you love her in a way that makes her want to be better in the eyes of God? Do you love her in a way that draws her closer to God? Or do you love her in a way that pushes her away from the things of God because she is discouraged and hurt and she feels emotionally um, unloved? You know, on that, on that trip to Belize, you know, when I, when I swam away from Leah, probably, I probably thought I was doing her a favor. Because I probably thought, you know, I did. I told you that I thought she would eventually sort of get over the troubles that she was having and, and just kind of get over it and begin swimming towards me. And if her mind worked the way that my mind worked, maybe it would have. <laughs> but I was wrong. Because women think differently than men, and men think differently than women. We communicate differently. Our needs are different. We we were, were motivated differently. And so, uh, and so I had to learn to speak her language in order to love her in a way that would lovingly lead her towards the goal because the goal was holiness. What, what did Christ do for the church? He made her holy. Men, your goal for your marriage is that your marriage should be holy. That should be your goal. And, 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 and part of that goal should should be uh, spurring your wife in the lovingly, not, not, not pushing her and being real hard with her, but lovingly uh, ushering her closer and closer to the things of God. Does, does your love for her encourage her to, to move towards holiness before God? Here's the thing we don't understand in our culture today. Satan has has declared war on the family. He has declared war on, uh, on marriages. He has declared war on biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. And we live in a culture today that if you say that I believe in biblical marriage as it is described in the Bible, you are called a bigot. You are called a something if. I mean, you're called all kinds of names. But here's the deal. Biblical marriage is a noble cause. It's a noble cause because, uh, because it's created by God to reflect the goodness of God in a darkened world. Biblical marriage is a noble cause that illustrates the holiness of Christ. So how do you do that? Well, Paul tells us some how to do that. He talks about, verse 26, uh, he, he talks about how Christ uh, is making the church holy by cleansing her with the washing of the word. You want to move your family towards holiness? You want to have a healthy marriage? Study the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. Find ways to study the Word of God together. Uh, some of you uh, in, in, uh, may be able to take time to maybe break aside and together go through some Bible studies together just on your own. For some of you, it would be very helpful for you just to commit to going to church on a regular basis and being in Bible study or Sunday school or coming to be under, uh, under the teaching of a, of a pastor and, and just talk about the things that you learn and the things that you've heard and decompress those things. You, you, you want to move your family towards holiness. You want to move your marriage towards holiness. You want to, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You've got to get in the Word of God. You know, a lot of us will we'll buy books 
you know, your best marriage now and, and all of these things. Now listen, all, there are some books out there that are helpful. There are. There's some books out there with good advice. But the book that has the best advice and the book that has the most wisdom and tells it like it is, is the Word of God. Get in the Word. He says, the, verse 26, he cleanses her. Christ cleanses the church by the washing of the Word. Verse 27 gives us a little insight too. It says that Jesus did this to present the church to himself in splendor. Now when is Jesus going to present the church to himself in splendor? It's in heaven. It's in heaven. He's talking about something that's going to happen in the future. You see, the love that Christ has is a love that has future. You know why so many marriages in our culture fail? Because somewhere along the way, both or maybe just one, but a lot of times it becomes both spouses at some point neglect to love and respect one another the way that God has commanded. Listen, there is a future, husbands, in loving your wives the way that Christ loved the church. It's worth it. A few months ago, I had one of my friends in back in March, Doug Fulton, and he came and spoke to you, preached on a Sunday morning, spoke at our revive session. Uh, Doug is originally from West Palm Beach, Florida, and growing up there in West Palm Beach, Florida, if you know anything about that part of the state, you know that there's a severe hurricane risk. It's about every year, there's a big tropical storm or a hurricane that's passing through the area. It's, 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 it's projected... Uh, to uh, pass through the area. Sometimes it does, sometimes it does not. But those storms and those hurricanes can do severe damage. And so being a lifelong Floridian, his, his dad wanting to you know, stay there for the rest of his life, decided that he was going to build a house that was hurricane-proof. And he built a hurricane-proof house. And it took a little longer to build than to build an average house and it was much more costly than an average house. They had, they had concrete walls with steel enforced rebarb down in the concrete. Let me tell you something. This place is a fortress. And, and, and if you go there today, it's still standing. But, but yet, year after year, it's been hit by tropical storms and by hurricanes and by all these things. And, and while many other houses in the community and some in the neighborhood have been severely damaged and destroyed, it's like that house built upon a rock that Jesus talked about and the waves come and they crash against it, but yet it's still standing. Men, listen, if you love your wives and women, if you respect your husbands and let him lovingly lead you, God will show up and he will bless your marriage he will strengthen your marriage. He will bless and strengthen your family with eternal blessings. So I want to give you some practical things here. We move toward the end. Just some quick things, husbands, that I think that, that, that you and I naturally just do not understand about women because they just think differently. And, and I'm gonna, some of you may leave here and say, uh, as, as a woman, and you may say, that guy doesn't know anything about anything that that's not me I, I don't that that's you know I don't think like that well that might be the case okay everybody's different this will give you some general things that uh, again 
that that the marriage counselors and uh, pastors who preach on these things and study these things in depth uh, have shared over the years that 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 I have learned from being under those teachings. And so uh, this is practical advice for what does it look like in ways to sacrificially and intentionally love your wife. Number one, we've talked about this a little bit, love her with your faith. Love her with your faith. Remember, John tells us in 1 John 4, he says, let us love one another because love is from God. Listen, there's a reason why anytime I meet a student and they tell me about a girl or a boy that they're dating or a single adult, it could be a single adult, they tell me about someone they're dating, one of my first questions is, you know, do they, do they love the Lord? Do they know the love of God? Because if they don't know the love of God, ladies, he cannot love you the way that he is supposed to. Guys, if she does not first know the love of God, she is not going to know how to respect you the way that God wants her to. And so, uh, so it's important, men, to love her with your faith. There's, a, there's an illustration that uh, you, many of you have probably seen before, the triangle illustration where God is at the top and the husband and the wife is on one side. And, and as, as you move closer to God, you become closer to one another. Okay, and that is how a, a biblical marriage is designed. And what if my wife doesn't care about the things of God? Well, listen, if that's the case, guys, you lovingly lead out by intentionally and sacrificially loving God and loving her. She may not want to follow you to church. Fine. Strive to show her how your relationship with God makes you uh, better able to love her sacrificially. Strive to show her that and demonstrate that. You need to love her with your faith, but next you need to love her with your companionship. Love her with your companionship. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort. Verse 10, Ecclesiastes 4.10, For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Listen, guys, most ladies, my understanding is that most of them want you to be their companion. They want to be your companion. They want to be your partner, not your possession. They, they want a deep level of love and understanding. But, you know, most, most men, we say, well, that doesn't make sense. You're right. Because we're guys, and we don't really think like that all the time, you know? Women are wired one way. Men are wired another. Women speak one language. Men speak another. In fact, if you get into the study of studying the love languages, each one of us have different love languages and how we express affection and how we receive affection. And, and what happens is you have people that don't understand how to communicate to one another. It's like you're talking and you're saying something and you don't understand that the person does not, you know, they don't get what you're saying. And, and so what happens when you say something to somebody and they say, huh, you say it again. And they say, what? And then you say it again. And eventually you start talking louder and eventually you scream. And eventually you're frustrated because you're thinking, this person doesn't care about me. They don't, they're not listening to a word that I'm saying. And so we have to understand that we have to, uh, men, we have to love her with our companionship. It's not enough that you somehow 
tricked her into saying yes when you proposed, you know. When you, when you were dating, she was your companion. She was probably one of your best friends. You were attentive to her. You were talking to her. You were looking her in her eyes. You were nodding. You, I mean, you were tracking what she was saying. You were out buying candy and chocolates, and you were buying flowers, and some of you went so far as to write poetry and all that stuff. And then it's like you get to the altar and you say, I do, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to check that one off my list. You know, I'm done with that. I've conquered that. And so you begin thinking about other things. And somewhere along the way, it's really easy to forget the importance of being companions. Somewhere along the, uh, along the way, if you're not intentional about it, and you may still partner together with the mortgage, and you may still partner together with the kids, but if you're not careful, if you're not intentional, you're going to stop being companions. That's why Leah and I get, get away once a year. At least once a year. We'd love to do it more than once a year if we could figure out a way to do it, okay? But we, we get away at least once a year just to go somewhere, just us, without the kids and without the stresses of life. And, and we pray together and we study the Word together. We worship together and we, we just talk about things. We talk about things that God is, 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 is saying to our heart. And we're talking about things that we struggle with or things that we're... Uh, you know, maybe even needs that we have in our relationship, you know. We, we talk about those things. We, we set common goals as a couple. We set common goals and, and, as parents. And, and so we, we, we talk about and we share the things that God has been teaching us as people and the things that God's been laying on our heart. And, and we set those common goals as a couple, as parents, as companions. Guys, love her with your companionship. Next. Love her with your conversations. James says that everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. You see, one of the things that you don't understand and that, that you know, a lot of us don't understand is that conversation drives women more than it drives men, okay? A, a, a woman could go to work and she could work all day and she could have conversations with her coworkers and then she comes home and guess what she wants to do? She wants to talk. She wants more, more conversation, okay? A man can go to work and work all day, and he has conversation with his, uh, with his co-workers, and, and he comes home, he's wore out. The last thing he wants to do is talk. And if he does want to talk, he, doesn't want, he sure doesn't want to talk about emotions and, and all of these things. And, you know, but, you know, she has been, especially, you know, you think about ladies that are at home, they're taking care of their kids. You know what? She she needs conversation, and she needs conversation with an adult. Okay, uh, she she needs that, and she that 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 drives the average woman more than it does the average man. But but we have to we have to realize that when we talk to them, that is one of the ways that they that they experience the love that we have for them. They it's one of the ways they experience the emotion of love. And so, well, so we, 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 have to, we have to understand through that conversation she's able to feel the love that you have for her. Is that always easy? No. But it's going to be worth it. You love her with your conversation. You love her with your compliments. Song of Solomon 2.2 says, Like a lily among the thorns, so my darling is among the young women. He says that compared to all the other women, she is 
a lily and they are a, 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 a briar patch. They're, they're a patch of thorns. She is the lily among thorns. He is loving her with his compliments. Now I want you to understand what compliments uh, are. Compliments are unsolicited, they're heartfelt, and they're sincere. Okay? It's not flattery. Sometimes, you know, we try to flatter somebody. We're trying to flatter them so that we can get some sort of return on our investment, okay? And a compliment is offered. It is a, it's just offered. It, it, it expects nothing in return. It's just a desire to be a blessing. You know, we, we have to understand, you know, guys, the average woman, she wants to know that you find her uh, lovely, that you see her different from any other woman, that you think of her differently. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking at times you think, well, she knows that. I've said that a hundred times. Well, that might be true, but there's an old saying that says, it doesn't matter what you say, what matters is how you make me feel, okay? I'm not going to remember what you say as much as I'm going to remember how you make me feel. Feel. And so, uh, love her with your compliments. Next, I want to encourage you to love her with your affection. Love her with your affection. We see 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives as, an understand, as understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. Your wife is a co-heir of God's grace with you, and she is worthy of of honor think about think about all the things that an average wife and mother goes through in her journey think about all the things she puts up with she some of them work a full-time job some of them uh they, they they are somebody's uber driver all the time they're a maid they're a housekeeper they're uh they're a launderer they're a cook they're refereeing kids and let me tell you something it can be really stressful to go through all that and you know what her reward is, men? You know what her reward is? You know what God has given her as a reward? A relationship with you. Oh, boy. Boy, it just got real, didn't it? That's one of, one of her rewards. Listen, whatever your wife does, she does for her family. And then she begins to open up her heart about something, and she's met with, She's not emotionally received. She feels ignored, or you begin to correct her in some way. Listen, guys, you want to go from zero to hero real quick? Learn to listen and not fix. Learn to listen and try, try, don't try to fix her feelings. Try to honor them. One of my former pastors said, uh, she doesn't want you to fix everything. She wants you to care. She doesn't want you to fix everything. She wants you to care. Stop trying to fix the problems and start trying to show you care about those problems. God help us to be men who lovingly lead out at home. Listen, guys, I can't promise you that it's going to be easy. I can't promise you that it's going to fix anything overnight. But I can tell you this. If believers will trust Christ in their family, in their homes, and in their marriages, and with their children, then you will see God move in power, and you will be thankful because your spouse will be thankful and your children will be thankful. And one day your children will rejoice to live in a home where the holiness of God was modeled in the way that mom and dad 
loved and respected one another. Let's pray.